This episode of Talking Underwater is brought to you by the U.S. Water Alliance One Water Summit, September 18th to 20th. Registration for this summit ends August 1st. It is the premier national conference focused on sustainable, integrated, and inclusive approaches to managing water, our most precious natural resource. Welcome to Talking Underwater. One water. One podcast. I'm Lauren Estes, Managing Editor of Water Quality Products. I'm Lauren Baltus, Managing Editor of Stormwater Solutions. And I'm Bob Crossan, Managing Editor of Water and Waste Digest. This episode, we're going to be covering some industry news, including some groundwater issues in Australia, the flooding in New Orleans, and river restoration in Santa Cruz. We also interviewed Travis Smith, Director of Smart Water Strategy for Census, and Chris Thompson, Product Manager for the Smart Water Cycle at Census. And we're going to be discussing um, the importance of water quality in addition to the volumetric aspect of smart water. So stay tuned for that interview. Um, But first, we'll start with some news. Yeah, let's start with the um, groundwater in Australia. So this was a... um There's a study that was conducted by the Australian Nuclear Science and Technology Organization that linked um, ancient groundwater to surface water in terms of carbon and how that impacted food webs or like basically the interconnection of food chains and stuff in an ecological community. Um, So the reason I wanted to bring this is that not only is the ancient water affecting the surface water, but also it noted that um, trace groundwater influences uh, can also influence the surface water ecosystems as well, um, including water produced from uh, extraction during like groundwater extraction as well as mining. So it's not just about the water as it is in the ground, but it's also what we end up putting back into it as well. So just wanted to bring that as a reinforcement of the whole idea of one water and how things all are connected. And then also noting that it's connected to everything in the ecology as well. So it's not just the water aspect, it's also the food aspect and Um, what eats what, and all that kind of stuff, too. So interesting, cool little study. You can learn more on our website, www.dmag.com. Cool. So um, this might be a little bit of old news, and there's probably going to be some developments by the time this podcast drops. Um, But the um, state of Louisiana, especially New Orleans, is really suffering from Tropical Storm Barry right now. Um, And in particular, they're seeing some pretty high storm surges of three to six feet and some really high um, Mississippi River levels. Um, according to the Weather Channel, the Mississippi River is already at at this point 16 above 16 feet. And um, the levees are really um, feeling a lot of stress right now. Um, and it's causing some a lot of concern in the area. There's been uh, a state of emergency declared and some emergency evacuations. Um, and this is something that we're seeing again and again with some intense storms. Um, I'm sure it's bringing up a lot of traumatic um, memories for people in this area um, Mm -hmm. about Hurricane Katrina. Um, And so this is some pretty intense stormwater news. Um, What I'd like to hear is if there's any listeners who have... um, who work in the stormwater industry, I'd I'd love to hear your perspective on the levees and the flood control and the stormwater management in that area. Um, I'd I'd really value your expertise on that. Mm -hmm. I think one of the other interesting things, and 
we I think I can't remember if we discussed this on the podcast a while back or not, but was the eroding coastlines thing? Yes. And how this is like so directly connected to that yes. that situation. Um, so it's really, I mean, it's terrifying to mm-hmm. think of all that. Like, and I mean, the last episode we were talking about the flooding in the Midwest, right. and like now we're at a point where we're talking about it down in Louisiana. So it's very clear that that whole swell mm-hmm. slowly moved further and further down the Mississippi River mm-hmm. into Louisiana, where it bottlenecked again. Yeah. Um, so it, it that that's just. A, another good reinforcement of like what happens upstream right. affects everyone downstream. It doesn't, once it's no, maybe it's not your problem anymore, but it's somebody else's mm-hmm. problem. Well, and to, and to some degree, there's not that much that you can do upstream because it's just a matter of how much snowfall they got and yeah. how much rain they got. Like we can't control the weather. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of that, like that's, that's yeah. what created a lot of the issues. I think that was also a point of contention when they reversed the flow of the Chicago river. Mm-hmm. Um, because, Chicago didn't want the polluted river water anymore, but mm-hmm. neither did mm-hmm. St. Louis. Yeah. But they were out, you know, out overruled on that. But mm-hmm. anyway, so that's the state in New Orleans. Well, we'll see what happens yeah. this next week. I'm and sure something will develop. Hope that everyone there is, is safe, safe as the well. tropical storm hits this week. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. number one. We hope everyone is safe and well. And, yeah. um, if you are, and if you have anything you want to share about that, um, we'd love to hear about it. Yeah, and we'll, I'm sure that there will be some updates on Stormwater Solutions as yes. well. So if you want to yes. hear any news on that, um, we'll have some news there. That's correct. So on the total flip side of that, um, in Tucson, Arizona, and out in the U.S. West, people are um, facing a very different experience right now where Um, They're having a very lush um, summer um, compared to past years, drought years, and having the opposite opposite instance. So in Tucson, Arizona, there's a really cool project that they're starting right now to um, restore water to the Santa Cruz Riverbed, and it's an interesting one water project because they're using um, pumping reclaimed wastewater into the riverbed and hoping to infiltrate the aquifer there. Um, So it's a big collaboration between multiple parties, and the whole mentality behind it is to kind of destigmatize the use of wastewater, both not just as something to help your river flow or keep golf courses green, but also as a drinking water solution for the future. Mm -hmm. So excited to see where this project goes and how other cities can potentially draw from that. I think that's something that we're starting to see in terms of a language shift as we mm-hmm, talk about mm-hmm. these things. Um, I know Bob has brought up before how we're using the language water reclamation plant instead yeah, of wastewater well, treatment plant. Yep. And I think that those small shifts and how we talk about these issues is mm-hmm. critical to having the public accept yeah. it. The other mm-hmm. term that we hear that I hear a lot now too is water resources recovery facility. Oh. So um, in both cases, those are what we would traditionally call a sewage plant or a wastewater plant. Um, But they're trying to just, I mean, just that small change in framing can make a big difference difference. in how people perceive it and understand it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then just to add on to the whole, I mean, this is happening in Arizona. We visited Phoenix last year around this time, and we, like, did talk to people about, like, the direction of 
um, reused wastewater and everything. Mm -hmm. um, and we have several videos on WWD's website that um, directly relate to that in Phoenix. Mm -hmm. So it's cool that that's spreading. Like it's it's not just a Phoenix only thing. It's a Arizona thing. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I guess we can move on to our interview for this episode. Um, absolutely. So this week we interviewed Travis Smith, the director of Smart Water Strategy for Census, and Chris Thompson, the product manager for the Smart Water Cycle at Census. And they talked to us a bit about their work and trends they're seeing in smart water. So here's that interview. Okay, we are here with Travis Smith, the Director of Smart Water Strategy for Census, and Chris Thompson, the Product Manager for the Smart Water Cycle at Census. Hi guys, thanks for joining us today. Oh, sure, hello. Thank you for having us today. Um, so just to get the ball rolling a little bit, why don't you guys tell us a little bit about your background in the water industry? This is Travis, so I've worked in the treatment facilities, both the drinking water and wastewater um, for about 20 years, as well as the distribution side through census, smart utility networks, uh, different metrology technologies and different reading technologies, looking after value propositions within the water industry of monitoring all those activities and being able to dynamically optimize those activities within a water utility. Yeah, so this is Chris Thompson. Uh, I've, I've also been in the industry almost 20 years, about 19 years actually. Uh, started out, I'd say the first uh, 15 years or so were in uh, consulting engineering, first in Maryland and then in North Carolina. And now I've been in uh, product management uh, for about the last five years, uh, with two of the most recent years being census here. Thanks for having me. Um, so census is Xylem Smart Water Division. Can you guys tell me a bit about how the introduction of smart water has changed the water industry? Sure. Census does a variety of things. We usually start at the measurement layer within a utility. So we're, we're collecting data about activities within the, the utility. Typically those things are revolving around flow, pressure, level, or water quality or status within the operations of the water utility. The next layer that we uh, provide solutions for is the communications to take those measurements back to a central repository of data. So that third piece is data storage and integration with other data sources. And then after that, we offer off, also offer solutions for analytics and applications to be able to analyze the activities within the utility and find ways for improvement. All of those things have historically been based around the consumption of water through the various service locations within the water utility, but we see the same technology being uh, parlayed into solutions for smart water activities, which go beyond just the consumption of the water, looking into the hydraulics, the water quality, the sustainability of the water sources, the asset utilization within those water utilities, as well as the operational efficiency or the non-revenue water components of the water utility. Cool. One of the, I think one of the things that you touched on there that um, I feel like 
it isn't talked about so much with the smart water because smart water oftentimes the conversation comes down to flow and um, like baseline stuff is the smart water quality. Could you talk to kind of the importance of that aspect of smart water in addition to the um, volumetric side? Sure. Well, the real value of water typically lies within two facets. The first is the availability, so the ability to have it right there at your tap. But most importantly, the value of water is also associated with the cleanliness. There are different levels with cleanliness. Now, within the United States, we're fortunate that clean water is defined by the Potable Water Drinking Act and and fairly um, consistent throughout the United States. But there are factors that influence that water quality, such as the source water, um, their base level uh, constituents within the water that can influence that, as well as minerals hardness and time and age impact the disinfection and the breakdown of the disinfection chemicals within the drinking water that can lead to improvements or in, in the uh, overall quality of that water at the service connections. So what we're seeing today is the ability to marriage flow with simple water quality monitoring characteristics such as total chlorine, free chlorine, pH, temperature, as well as the age of the water, which really provides a great indication and the ability for the utilities to avoid um, disinfection byproduct generation, as well as nitrification within the utility system. Yeah, and I'd like to add to that. I think uh, one of the exciting things for us uh, as Xylem is, is we have several uh, different uh, components to the business that focus on water quality and, as Travis said, water age. For example, uh, YSI uh, out of Yellow Springs, Ohio, uh, is really at the forefront of measuring things like uh, uh, pH and, and chlorophyll and, and algae and raw water sources. They've been doing years of, of collaborative work on, on the Great Lakes system. So we're, we're, we're beginning to, to, uh, to build some, uh, some solutions that sort of cover that whole raw water piece. And then uh, recently we've acquired a company called CityLogix, uh, which is, to Travis's point is really a, an expert in uh, digital twin and, and, and modeling of systems for things like water age. So really starting to span the whole uh, potable side and water quality side from, from the reservoir or the groundwater all the way through distribution to the tap. And how do you see this continuing to evolve over time? So we'll... We see right now we're at the precipice of the affordability where battery technology and the sensor technology is becoming more affordable, the communications are becoming more reliable, and the integration across different data sources as well as the analytics capabilities are really beginning to bring forth some solutions and opportunities for a utility to improve and monitor those things to avoid upset conditions within their entire distribution system. Um, so those things are, are beginning to play. What I think we'll see in the future going forward is more adoption of those technologies and more remote monitoring of the system to improve the quality of service associated with the water provided to the customers. Cool. And um, I know that um, another aspect that Chris, uh, speaking with you last week at ACE, um, you had mentioned about um, how this is integrating with sanitary and storm sewers and how you can leverage new kinds of data when you compare and correlate the data from a smart drinking water side as well as a smart wastewater side. Could you talk a little bit about that as well? 
Sure, absolutely. And that's another exciting aspect. You know, I just talked about from the reservoir to the consumption, uh, but, but really uh, we're also seeing a lot of activity from the, from the consumption through the wastewater and discharge. And one of those examples is we've, we've had several clients, uh, because they've switched to a, a, an AMI system, and, and if you're not familiar with AMI, it's one where uh, the water consumption meters in the utility can be read remotely, and they can be me measured and read much more frequently. Uh, typically, every hour you're getting uh, a reading, and that's being transmitted, say, every four hours. So suddenly, we now have uh, data available on water consumption every hour uh, throughout the system. So, uh, you know, I mentioned we just talked about the hydraulics on the drinking water side and the water age, but on the sewer side, now that allows us to start really seeing very thin time slices of data through the utility and compare that to uh, to sewer monitoring that is being done uh, in some utilities. And so now we, we can really create a, an idea and a water balance in our head of the water going into a particular home or community or pressure zone and the wastewater leaving that. Uh, and, and we have utilities doing just that, comparing those two data uh, to get an idea of I&I &I in their system and really the success of their, uh, of their rehab efforts uh, through I&I. &I. So, so really exciting stuff, really across the water cycle because we're able to measure uh, much more than we've been able to do, uh, produce uh, more data, and we're starting to see that data really turn into some actionable uh, information that utilities can use to, to evaluate and improve their systems. And um, our last question for you is, how can smart water provide a return on investment? Sure. Well, I think there's six key areas that smart water provides value propositions for a utility, and that is in revenue capture. So not necessarily raising rates, but make sure that you're capturing all the revenue associated with the water that is produced. And that's monitoring the production of the water versus the, the build water, versus the self-use, and then accounting for all the apparent losses and real losses. The second area is because of the availability to monitor lots of data, you can improve your cost position, whether that's truck rolls, field service time, uh, customer service activities on the phone. All of those abilities become uh, able to be managed better with better data. The third piece is around customer service, the ability for the utility to provide new and more accurate and more timely data to interface with the customer and improve their, their service as well as their quality of service is greatly enhanced by able to monitor the water quality data as well as the consumption data and the hydraulics data. The third piece is they're able to mitigate the risk associated with things such as pipe bursts or oil water notices or potential water inflows within the utility system by monitoring those things. They may not always be able to prevent them, but they may be have greater awareness from a timely standpoint to limit them or control them and communicate better with the constituents of them. The, the next thing is around asset utilization. Our utilities have millions, some of them hundreds of millions of dollars worth of assets in the ground throughout the distribution system. And to get more life out of those pieces going forward um, or make sure that they are not taking out components that still have useful life in them is a very valuable activity within that utility going forward. Um, so those are some key value propositions that they can deliver into the re to find a return on investment on a smart utility network. 
And just, I'll add to that just sort of in a narrative way, uh, Travis really broke down the key components of, of the ROI. But, uh, you know, we all see on the news, uh, and I've certainly read articles, and if you're in the, in the water industry, you're reading articles about how uh, the intensity of storms uh, is only increasing. And so we're seeing uh, much more uh, rainfall volume in a shorter period of time throughout, uh, throughout the U.S. and in other parts of the globe. And so, you know, as we are now able to monitor more using battery power devices and networks, uh, now that we, we can do that, we can keep our thumbs uh, much better, I think, on the pulse of the, of the networks and of the water systems, because I think that the days of sort of set it and forget it uh, in a lot of parts of the country are, are kind of past us. And now utilities are, are asking us and really asking for a system where they can monitor efficiencies throughout their network, uh, one, to, to improve uh, costs, but also to reduce risk and improve better service to their customers. So I think it's coming that the technological advancements are coming at a, at a fortunate time as the uh, you know as climate change and as just infrastructure aging is causing I think more of a of a of a need to re to proactively uh, operate a utility instead of reactively operate one. Absolutely, it's a it's a proactive, not a reactive approach, and an investment. That's exactly right. Well, Travis, Chris, thank you both so much for joining us on the podcast today. Oh, sure. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Okay, so that uh, thank you, Travis and Chris, for your time speaking with us this week. Um, some things that really stood out to me about our interview was, um, and Bob kind of directed the conversation to this place, was talking about the use of smart water, not just from a volumetric standpoint, but also from a water quality standpoint, and how some trends in the industry are kind of shifting the conversation mm -hmm. in the sky's the limit here. Mm -hmm. how we're not just um, thinking about limiting our strategies, looking for other ways to leverage this technology. So it was great to chat with you guys about that. Yeah, and I think traditionally it's just a matter of like making the sell on smart water, focusing on that revenue standpoint has been the easier way to handle it. But mm -hmm. I think that as things evolve and change, people will make the sell of like, it's, I mean, your water needs to be good, otherwise you don't have a constituency to begin with. <laughs> so... Um, it, and this kind of re was reiterated at ACE. We had a mm -hmm. couple interviews there. If you haven't listened to that episode of the podcast, definitely go back and listen to that. There's a little more detail on how that conversation is starting. Um, and that kind of informed a lot of my questioning when we were talking uh, with Census for this interview. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So, as always, um, we are always looking to interact with you. So, um, if you have any questions or if you have Anything that you think that we should touch on in the future, um, drop us a line at talkingunderwater at sgcmail.com, or you can visit any of our Facebook pages for Water and Waste Digest, Stormwater Solutions, or Water Quality Products, and send us a message there or anything of that nature. You can visit our websites and find all of our emails as well. Um, we're all open to hearing from you and incorporating any uh, feedback or questions that you have, so yeah. we'd love to do that. Um, and then also we're on, I guess it's Apple Podcasts now that iTunes is dead. <laughs> but uh, uh, we're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Google Play, Spotify, um, basically anywhere that you can get a podcast. Um, if you can, um, drop a review. 
let us know how we're doing and that'll bump us up in some ratings too we also have an exciting announcement um, we have a new virtual event coming to you from a partnership between stormwater solutions magazine water and waste digest and roads and bridges and um, we'll have a virtual webinar event it's called the infrastructure virtual summit and it'll be the first week in october um we just wanted to announce the dates and next month we'll come at you with a url for registration and more information about what speakers you can expect um, but pretty much you can expect a lot of um, great talks uh, um, from different transportation and water infrastructure professionals yeah definitely all right awesome. that's a wrap that's thanks a wrap. for listening see you next month see you next month Thank you.